0: Welcome to the Truth Be Told podcast with Chad and Jade Spencer. In this world, there's an unlimited amount of voices fighting for your attention. Facts are important, but truth is key. This podcast is all about taking real-life situations and looking at them through the lens of God's Word. Victory can be your story. I don't know about you, I love church, not because of the religiosity behind it, but I love church because it's a community of believers that have come together, right? And maybe you're saying, I'm not here because of anything else that my family guilt tripped me or my friend guilt tripped me. That, ooh, here we go. We're moving with it. Here we go. Uh, but I don't believe you're here by accident or coincident. I believe that this community of believers somehow got you in the house of God today because there's a special message. There's an opportunity for you to hear from heaven. And God, he wants to impact and influence your life every single moment and every single day. And Sunday is that celebration where we all get to come together and combine our faith and believe God for great and mighty things. Can I hear an amen? Amen. As Pastor Dennis said, This is the year of action. The Bible talks very clearly about doers of the word and hearers of the word. There are many believers in the world that, like Pastor Dennis shared last week, have mental ascent. Right? They have the mental understanding. They have the good ideas. They believe the Bible's real. They believe in God. They believe in church. They like all these nice things, but... When it comes to individual faith and walking it out and doing it, there's a disconnect. And today I want to encourage your faith, that God wants to infuse faith into your life, that he wants to stir up your heart, and maybe, just maybe, The things that you've been believing for, that you've been trusting him for, they're not as far-fetched as you had imagined. But actually, God himself will meet you in this room. We read the Bible and look back and say, man, I wish, I wish I could be there with Elijah when he slapped the water and it split in two. I wish I could have been there with David and Goliath when this little boy killed the nine-foot giant. I wish I could have been with Paul as he prayed for that leader in the island that he shipwrecked on and saw a miracle happen and God's provision take place. I wish I could have seen when Jesus told Peter to go catch a fish and pull out two coins And pay the taxes that were due. I wish, I wish, I wish. But you know what's crazy? Is that they look up to this day. And they say, I wish I could have been there. When the day when Jesus was preparing to return. I wish I could have been part of the last day church. To where the message that's preached. The impact that's made. It's crucial in literally changing the world. And the souls lay in the midst. And the people are important. See, people look forward to this day and say, there's an anticipation to knowing that God is doing something big. See, in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that, and it's quoting, a, a, a chapter in Joel in these last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and my sons and my daughters they'll prophesy they'll dream dreams they'll have visions and he'll begin to communicate all this but what's so cool is if he said the last days began with the first apostles how much closer are we now and I'm not here to scare anybody it should encourage you it should light a fire under our bums, right? It should get us excited that God has chosen you to be alive in the days where it matters. See, God has chosen you and given you a message for people's souls to be impacted for lives to be changed, for hearts to be transformed. God is not done with the world yet. God is not done with America. God is not done with Christians. But actually in these last days, I believe he's infusing faith for those that are hungry for him to where they'll be separated like the wheat and the chaff. That's a strange word. He'll separate them from the authentic and those that have just been pretending. It's interesting, and this isn't in the notes, so uh, we're just going for it right now. But in the book of Jeremiah, the Bible says, that is my word not like a hammer that would destroy the rock? Is my word not like fire that would burn up everything else, that would refine it? And the context is that, in that, is he's actually bringing an alignment to people that are in the religious world, the Israelites, the priests, the leaders. And he's saying, my word is going to burn up and refine everything that's not of me. And my word that's a hammer, it's going to break up every religious monument, every religious idea, everything that we've made idols of that God has not called us to. He's going to break it up. And then, and only then, is his spirit going to move. I love when we start to get in a room with hungry people. What do I mean hungry? Hungry for Jesus. I love getting in a room with people that are saying, look, I don't care what the world looks like. I'm going to look like Christ. I don't care what's going on outside these four walls, but I am called, number one, to be changed and transformed by him in here. And when I walk out the four walls, it's my mission field, and I'm called to change the region. I'm called to change Ithaca. I'm called to change the colleges. I'm called to change my workplace. I'm called to change my family. Wherever you're from, you're called as a missionary in the world that we live. And guess what? The only way you can make true impact is by faith. Because the moment human reasoning starts getting involved and the moment the, I mean, we can just look time and time again. Well, we just need to use wisdom. No, usually the moment I hear that, I know that's some human rationale. God does give us wisdom, but it's not the wisdom of man. It's the wisdom of heaven. And when we make a decision in our lives to say, God, your wisdom is what I'm basing my life off of, it looks crazy to people of this world. It looks crazy to people with natural reasoning. My wife and I were currently walking through this in an awesome, awesome way. And many of you know we announced it publicly and we've been communicating it, but we are thrilled that my wife and I, we were able to come and we helped plant this campus for his tabernacle. We've had an amazing time. We've built relationships. God has grown this house from, I think it was 12 or 17 people to over 250 on a weekly basis. God, we've seen miracles. We have seen lives change. We have seen souls saved. We've seen leaders get built up. And God has called us as of last year in April. He spoke to our hearts. And he said to Jade and I that we're to go and plant a church in, in Bradenton, Florida. And he gave us some commissioning things. And I'm thrilled to announce and obviously just reaffirm that Pastor Dennis and Capri, they're taking over the Ithaca campus and they're going to hit the ground running, right? And they're going to be exactly what's necessary to take us into that next season. And so on the back end, my wife and I, we're sitting in this thing called faith. Uh, because th- we're not going down to a church that we've taken over. We're not going down to a group of people that pre-exist that we're going to rally with. We're literally stepping out on nothing to land on something. And so I get so encouraged on the topic of faith, and I've never seen it more active and more real than in the last year of my life. You would think by aban- like leaving behind everything stable, leaving behind everything that brings comfort, Leaving behind, Jade and I are literally living in my father's basement because my house sold quick, and the house we're buying is still being processed. And it is the most amazing time of our life. Why? Because there's something about living a life of faith. And God calls his people not to live a life of mental assent or human reasoning, but live a life of faith. That's what counted Abraham as righteous. The righteous shall live by faith. Here's my question as we prepare to teach about the difference between little faith and big faith. My question to you is, is there an outward observation that exists to prove that you live by faith? Can people visibly look at your life and say that person must trust God. That person must have some deity, some God that's helping them. That person, they're different. That person, there's just something different about them. Is there something visible in your life? Because consider this, when you read the Bible, right? I won't even talk about my observation, but my observation would be is that when I read the Bible, and you can account for when you read it, is when everybody is doing things according to their own flesh, their own desires, their own ways, they always ended up in trouble. They always ended up far from God. But every single person that did something significant for God looked crazy. Every single person that did something significant for God, it did not have human reasoning. Now it may have had prudence, it may have had planning, and I I, I love that, that needs to be a part of your life. You can't just close your eyes and pray and hope everything works out. There's a plan associated with it. But every person I read about in the Bible, it would have seemed that they were a radical believer, that there's some radical Christian, that there's somebody that just stepped out and God met them there. And it's because every single one of them would have been. (laughs) But what's so cool is this, God's not done using people yet. God's not finished With using his people. God's not come to completion. And when he wrote the Bible and illustrated it through his people. That suddenly he's done. That everybody else has to just guess and hope things turn out for the good. No, God's still using people. He's still calling people. He's still planning and using them to change and transform the life in the world that we live in today. Faith is, faith does. Faith has to feed somewhere and faith must also grow. We established in the previous weeks that faith is now. Calling those things which are not as though they already are. Stepping out on nothing to land on something. Believing it before you see it in the natural. Knowing it is yours before it's physically evidenced in your hands. First Timothy 6.12 says this fight the good fight of faith take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses there is a fight associated with faith i've shared this before but in john 10 verse 10 it says in the thief who's the thief okay let's try that again in the thief who's the thief he comes to steal to kill and to destroy. And then there's a comment that says, but I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. See, the enemy though is not out there to steal, kill, and destroy your friendships. To steal, kill, and destroy your cute white picket friends out front and your nine to five job. That's not his goal. Now, if he has to use that to get to his goal, that's a different story. But what I love about studying the Bible is you get to see the strategy of the enemy. See, if he knows if he impacts your job and your wages change or there's instability and your your boss may be a jerk and cause pressure on you and that makes your faith fall apart, then he's going to push that button every time he wants to derail you. Or maybe he knows if he can just steal the joy in your marriage and he can cause some dissension and some division in your marriage and he can get you to fight. And when you do that, you stop reading the Bible, you stop going to church, you stop pressing forward. Then he knows every single time he can push that button and do it. See, he doesn't care about the material things. He doesn't care about the outside influences. He wants to steal your faith so you spend eternity in hell. Oh my goodness. I said the hell word in church. Ah! His goal is not to play patty cake. His goal is not to get you to come party with him and everybody's gonna drink beer and have a great time in hell. That is not his goal. His goal is to destroy you because when he sees you, he sees the image of God. He hates God because God cast him out of heaven because Satan wanted to be nothing more than God himself. And when God cast him out because the pride that he had in his heart, you became his enemy. Because guess what? There's not a fight. I, I know contrary to common belief. Contrary. To common belief, God and Satan are not arm wrestling in heaven, you know, going back and forth and, well, God won that one and Satan won the other one. No, the Bible says that Satan is a defeated foe, that Jesus Christ himself made a public spectacle, a public spectacle of Satan, and that he is defeated. He has lost the battle already. Read the end of the book. He is not walking in victory. He is walking in defeat. The only way Satan can even try to get even with God is to attack and destroy his people. To separate his people. That's why it may seem like there's stuff happening in your life. Because the devil wants nothing more than for you to give up. Quit on God. Quit on church. Quit stewarding yourself. Quit... quit, Quit trying, just give up on everything and just live that mediocre life and just disappear into the background. Satan will even allow you to have success in things that are ungodly and pull you away with distractions. That's his desire. But you know what God's desire is? That he has destroyed the works of the enemy. That he took over the power of sin and the only power that the enemy has is the power that you have given him. When you start living your life, understanding the end to the beginning. That's why I have confidence in God, because he's been right the whole way through. The prophetic utterances in the Bible, the accuracy of scripture, the historical, the archeological evidence, the, the supporting writings of other historians. Just the fact that a thousand years before Jesus was ever even born, The Bible prophesied exactly how he would be born, exactly how he would die, exactly the life that he would live. And what the enemy does is this. He shifts your perspective and he gets you caught up in your employer. He gets you caught up in the the sin that so easily ensnares and entangles you. He gets you caught up with frustrations and discouragement, and he shifts your focus from the fact that he is a defeated foe, and you begin to give him power. What does this have to do with faith? Because faith. Because if you get this conviction and understanding, you'll walk faith differently. When you live life that Satan is already defeated, the Bible itself says that in the end of days, we will look. At Satan, and we will say, "Is this the one? Is this the one that did this to us?" As if he's, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm the only person I can't do it anymore because I'm a pastor. Um, but and don't, no, it's not anything bad. It's arguing with people on Facebook, like and it, like I ju- I I love debating people. It is quite fun. I love disagreements. They're they're enjoyable to go through. I don't, I'm just not I. My wife, she hates conflict. I am okay with it. It's, it's all right with me. I believe conflict is oftentimes the, the thing standing between you and your desired result. So conflict cannot be scary. But I, I, I've kind of retired from arguing on social media uh, with people as much as I used to. <laughs> But you know what's funny is when you start to argue with somebody, the first thing I do is I click on their profile. I click on their picture, and I'm like, is this the idiot that I'm arguing with? Are you kidding? Sorry. I'm sorry. I take that back. My wife is the one that she just corrected me. Is this the person that's trying to argue with me right now? Is this what's happening? Do you realize that that's what's going to happen at the end of the world? We're going to look at Satan and say, is this the person that tricked me? Is this the one that got me? Is this like this scrawny little? No kidding, I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna like this incompetent-looking demonic thing. I don't. I, I'm choosing my words wisely because my wife's right here. When she's in kids' church, there's a little less regulation. No kidding. <laughs> That's what the Bible says, though. The Bible says that we're gonna look there and be shocked at the one. Shocked at who derailed us. Do you know the only influence the enemy has and the only power that the enemy has is the power that you have given him? He is defeated. Jesus made a public spectacle of him. He attacked and destroyed and defeated Satan. in it's entirely. That's a wild thought. So now what the enemy tries to do is to steal that seed of faith. In scripture, we're not preaching the sermon today. We're working on it. We might come around to it. But uh, (laughs) when we start to look at the seed of faith, the Bible has a parable of a seed. You may have heard of it before. And there was some seed that was sown. It was sown on the, the, the road, right on the roadside. And then there was other seed and it was sown in shallow ground that was very rocky. Then there was other seed that was sown on good ground, but there were, there were a lot of things around it, a lot of other plants, a lot of distractions, and it took the nutrients and choked out the fruitfulness of that plant. And then the fourth one was, there was seed sown on good ground, and it produced a 30, 60, or even 100-fold harvest. And the disciples came to Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, what is this parable? What are you talking about? And this is interesting. Jesus starts to break it down, and he said, the seed that was sown, and the seed is the word of God, is what he first says. And the word of God is where we get our faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. When you hear God's word, faith grows. That's why, and, and When you come in, you may have a certain level of faith, but when you leave, you may feel like you can conquer the world. When you leave, you feel like, man, I'm stirred up. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to fight this good fight of faith. Let's go. But then throughout the week, it seems to dwindle. Why? Well, first of all, because we need to be consistently feeding ourselves the word of God. The word is not a Sunday morning appetizer. It's an every day, every moment of life sustaining fulfillment for our life. And what happens is the word is the seed. And so when the word goes out to some, it lands on a, a road path where the birds immediately come and pick it up so it doesn't actually bear fruit. See, there are people in this room that even as I'm talking, that the seed will be sown, but there, it will not even take root. You will probably leave the same. Now, I pray that that's not you. I pray that that's not the decision you make. But then in the second scenario where the seed is thrown and it goes down, what the Bible says is that it sprouted up quickly, but because the foundation and the rocky soil could not provide where it was at, it quickly dried up by the sun. There's other people, you'll hear the word, you'll be encouraged today, and then all of a sudden the enemy will cut. Look, I've seen it happen. As soon as you get in the car to leave church, you get a text message from somebody. You get a phone call from somebody. You get an email from work. Some bozo cuts you off when you're trying to get down Route 13 or they drive 45 and a 55, which does not make sense to me. But that seed is quickly taken up. That seed is quickly removed and it did not bear the fruit The word did not remain. Then the third soil is this, that when the seed hit the ground, it was good soil. It was good ground. And this is where I think a lot of long-term Christians lose it. So if you've been saved for more than five minutes, listen. It started, yeah. My, my wife is like not entertained by me. I'm like, it's Father's Day, I got a jersey on, we're hanging out, I'm down on the floor, we're, at, we're just having a good time. Uh but the seed started to produce. It started to bear fruit. That could be like somebody that they, they did get saved. They started serving in the church. Their life started to change. Things started going good. But then the enemy came around and there was other things around them, distractions, and it started to grow and the thorns and the thistles and everything, it started to take the nutrients, it started to cut out the fruit. It began to literally invade on the word that God had planted in their heart because they didn't take out everything around them. They didn't make the decision that distractions could never remove me from where I need to be with heaven that distractions and and, and things that come up. This is a conversation I have with so many believers. Please hear me. They say, I've been in church. I love church. I love God, but I just feel like things are just not the way it used to be. Sometimes they blame it on the church. Sometimes they blame it on the department they're in. Sometimes they blame it on themselves. Sometimes they blame it on outward circumstances. But they start to grow stale in their faith. They start to get distracted, and why? It's because they're not feeding themselves the things necessary to grow. And not only that, because it's not just about feeding yourself the things necessary to grow, but it's also about removing the obstacles that are gonna keep you from your potential. And too many times we leave someone, something around us that is gonna destroy us and derail us from the fruitfulness that God has called us to produce. And it's going to uproot the word of God. And it's not going to produce what we desire. But then there's the last one. Say, that's me. All right. Then there's the last one. Say, that's me. And it's good soil. And it's good ground. And it's nurtured. And it's taken care of. And it starts to bear fruit. And we can even jump over to John chapter 15, where it talks about how Jesus comes in and he begins to prune the plants that are producing so that they can produce even more. Because the fruit that God called you to bear is what the Bible instructs as lasting fruit or fruit that will remain. The life that you can achieve this by is only a life of faith. The only way you can achieve this is a life of faith. I feel like I might be radicalizing a few people in the room today. See, look, you don't get anything in comfortable Christianity. You don't get anything in convenient Christianity. You don't get anything out of religion except better morals and good feelings. If you want your life to change, if you're believing that God in His Word could do something in your life, produce something that's supernatural... Look, it's time to break off our old mindsets. It's time to stop accepting what we've always accepted and say, God, I'm just wild enough to trust you at your word. To say, at your word, I'll believe you. If you said it, I believe it. If you said it, I believe it. And not only that, but I'll do it. Do you know? There's a, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> now, look, you know what? Mm-hmm. Faith is grown in a few different ways. Faith is grown, and, and I was talking to my wife this morning, because I've just like, I've been dwelling on the sermon, and aspects of the sermon are in this, but I've been dwelling on it, and it's just something in, in, in there. I was just like, you know what? Lord, there's something here that needs to be shared. And there's ways that faith grows. Faith grows by hearing the word of God, right? By hearing God's word. That's why Sunday morning shouldn't be the only time you're reading the word. It should be a daily habit. Not because I want to give you more religious obligation. It's because life is inside of here. Jesus is life. And he's called us to life. And the only way, the Bible says that Jesus is the word and the word is Jesus. So the only way to truly build faith and truly recognize who he is and what he's called you to do is to consume his life and allow his life to build you a life. That's what God's word is. So it's by... Listening to his word. You should be listening to podcasts. You should be listening to worship. You should be building your faith. You should be confessing scripture, memorizing scripture, infusing your life. Do not build Christianity around your life. Don't try to see where it fits in because there will never be room. Look, y'all are busy. (laughs) I'm busy. There's a lot of things happening. I still am unsure of how parents with multiple kids that are in sports in school live. I don't understand it. I mean, like when I get there, I'll have to have the faith to figure it out. But like, it's wild to me. Y'all are like Ubers, but you don't get paid. It's miserable. No, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, but (laughs) But God has called you to live a life of faith. And that faith is how you reach into heaven and pull down everything that he has promised you, everything that's in the word. And so I was reading it in the notes, it says that trials are a way that you build faith. And that's true. But as I was praying on it and thinking about it, I actually think trials, because what the Bible says is trials perfect your faith. I don't actually think they increase your faith. I think they create a potency of the faith that you have. You've heard me say faith is theory until it's tested. See, trials is the evidence of that. What do I actually believe? What am I willing to actually stand on? What am I actually trusting in? Am I trusting in my own abilities or am I trusting in his abilities? In a trial, a tribulation, a hard time, an attack from the enemy, whatever it may be, it shakes you, but it sees where you're rooted. It perfects the seed that's sown. It perfects the faith that you have. It's like a refiner's fire. Anybody ever been through something hard in life? Good. Most of you have lived perfect lives. It's perfect. Far better than me. But if you've been through something, a hard time, you would know that it's like a refining. You reprioritize things in life. It's like, man, I thought this was important. You know, and I'll just speak from, from where I am. Like, you know, my, my mother passed away uh, a little over a year and a half, about a year and a half ago. And things start to get reprioritized, right? Death causes you to think about things that actually matter. Hardship causes you to think about things that actually matter. And trials are not there to just be like a star or a badge that you wear, Right? When you embrace the victimhood of hardship, you start to change your authority that you're walking in. See, when that victimhood becomes your badge of honor and your rite of passage in everything, you start stop relying on Jesus and start relying on your own hardships. And when your image becomes what you've been through or the victimhood that you've experienced, there's no way to become victorious because you've reframed and remapped your mind to be something. That has gone through hardship. But when you appropriately go through a trial, it purifies you. It shows you what's really important. It shows you what you should really believe in. It shows you what actually matters in life. But this is the greatest aspect of increasing your faith it's obedience. Obedience is how you increase your faith. God can only use you to the level of your obedience. Think about Abraham. Abraham is in a comfortable place. His families lived there for generations. The land is taken care of. He's got wealth already. And God speaks to him. Oh, God, he actually, when you study the land of Ur, that wasn't the God of that land. God spoke to him. And he said, I'm promising you a land of milk and honey. I'm calling you out from where you are. And he listed all these promises in obedience. You know what's interesting? Have you found that the most radical people walk in the greatest level of blessing? It's because attached to obedience is a reward. I'll prove it to you. Hebrews eleven six, six. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And the scripture or the section above that says, without faith, it is impossible to please God for he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so there's a reward to the life of faith. And Abraham said, at your word, I will follow you. And he abandoned everything. He took his family. He took even something he shouldn't have, a lot, you know, and (laughs) and brought him out of this land and trusted God at his word. Trusted him at his word. It's radical. His comfort zone, he pulled him out of it. Everything he knew, he pulled them out of it. Everything that was his foundation, he pulled them out of it. And Abraham said, at your word, I will believe you. And he left everything. And the Bible accounts the righteous living by faith through the example of the obedience of Abraham. Obedience increases your faith. Why? Why? Because it calls you to a place you've never been. It calls you beyond what you've experienced. God is not a God of comfort zones. God is not a God of, of comfort care. Just, okay, well then, just, you know, you've done your Christian thing and now you can just put it on reserves and, you know, someday you'll die and you'll go to heaven and everything will be okay. No, 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 that's not the God that we serve. His purpose, his passion, his calling for you is a life of faith. And it's marked by incredible things. It's marked by radical things. God is calling you out of what you know many times and into something that is beyond what you could accomplish yourself. That looks different for every single person. It's not about leaving a land or leaving a place oftentimes. It's about fixing a perspective and maximizing what he's called you to do. What has God spoken to you? What is the life of faith that he's called you to live? Because you can either live an average lifestyle, do the cute Christian thing, get the punch card, and like make it to heaven by the skin of your teeth, or you can choose to live what the Bible instructs us to live you can choose to be one of those people that said, God, I'm just wild enough to take you at your word. God, I'm just wild enough to live this life of faith. God, I'm just wild enough to believe that if you would do it for me, just like David said, if you would help me kill the lion, if you would help me kill the bear, then this uncircumcised Philistine, you're gonna help me kill him too. That's how Jaden and I can do what we've called been called to do. Because he called us, we were living in South Africa, never planning on coming back to New York. We had great plans to either stay there or go to Florida. And when he called us, we had options. And he called us back to New York. And he called us. We started at the Horseheads campus as the young adult and outreach pastors, and we made a decision. God, everything that we touch is to you. Everything we do is an honor to you. Everything we are stewarding, we are gonna steward as if you're standing there with us. And when we started it, it grew. When we we grew it, we got a phone call that said, uh, we have an opportunity to start a church in Ithaca, New York. And uh, we are looking for two young individuals to pastor it. My wife started crying immediately. She was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) no. (laughs) And we want you to go up. We want you to pray about it, fast about it. And if you feel the confirmation, you feel like this is what the Lord's calling you to do, then we want you to lead this and be a campus pastor for the His Tabernacle uh, Ithaca branch. And so we prayed about it. And I knew the first day, and see, we did, took three days because my wife was in denial for the first one. And she's like, no. Uh, but we prayed and we knew that it was what God called us to do. So then we start. And where we started is not where you're sitting right now, right? Where we started was right here. And there was a wall at that vent and it was a room this size and there was 35 chairs in it. Right? And it, they weren't full. There was not full 35 chairs. There were very many spaces available. <laughs> and we began to obey God. But our faith increased because He didn't call us to do something we had done before. He didn't call us to do it in the same level that He had called us to do it before. He called us out of our comfort zone and into His purpose and destiny. And when we took that step of faith, there were rewards the church started to grow. We started to see increase. God had his hand in favor on our lives and on this house. And he will always have his hand of favor on this house because of your leadership. And then we feel the call again a year ago. And it's like, man, at this point we've got like good salaries because we've built up the church we're like comfortable, I've got some side hustles up here, right? Things are nice, things are convenient. And he says, I want you to leave everything and trust me and start fresh. And see, the thing is, when you've experienced this faithfulness before and before and before, it's easy to trust them at the new levels. Into the new, into the unknown. See, there's very few places God could call me, and I would really have to, like, make sure. Like, I know God's voice at this point in my life. And I know when He calls me, He's made provision, He's provided protection. There's covenant attached to it. And why am I telling you this? Because God has called you to do something outside of your comfort zone, outside of common. He's called you to live a life of faith. He's called you to change the area of Ithaca. He's called you to change this region if you're here and from here and plan to be here. If not, your mission field is wherever you are. He's called you to change your family. He's called you to change your workplace. He's called you to change your school. He's burning a desire, a passion in your heart that... When you respond to it, everything changes. I'm convinced most Christians don't actually live a life for Jesus. They live a life for comfort. And they get just enough Jesus to feel good. Man, it's time that we stir up our hearts. It's time that we stir up our passions. It's time that we start asking ourselves, God, what have you called me to do? God, where are you calling me to go? And have a radical plan where God infuses it into your heart. You know what I believe? I believe that everybody, the first step of faith, is starting to tell other people about your faith. If you want to know if you're on fire for Jesus, it's everywhere you go, you can't shut up about them. (laughs) You talk to people at the grocery store about them. You talk to your family members. You talk in your classes. You talk to your professors about them. You, You just can't stop talking about them. Why? Because he is so good. That's where we can start. Start evangelizing people. Start evangelizing this city. Start evangelizing your family. Start telling them the truth with love. But faith is not just for calling. Faith is also the dynamic of receiving from heaven. You may say, well, here we go, see, I knew it's just about seeing what we can get from God. This is the American church. No, okay, well, why did you get saved? (laughs) Why did you profess your faith in Jesus? Because he promised you an eternity in heaven, right? We believe in Jesus Christ, that he died and rose again, and because we do, we now get a reward, an inheritance in heaven. What if I were to tell you that faith was for even more than just getting to heaven someday? That faith was for your everyday life. That faith was for your healing. That faith was for for your finances. Faith was for growing your business. Faith was for raising your children. Faith was for loving your spouse. Faith was for everything in the life that you live. The life that I live, I live in faith according to the son of God. It's a life of faith he's calling you to live. And he's pushing you today. He's pushing you today. I believe even now that you have more faith than you walked in here with. I hope that if you're alive and breathing, that you're like God stirred something in your heart. The reason the world is turned off by Christianity is because Christianity looks more like the world now than it looks like the Bible. Your friends, they're not looking to find relevance and common ground in worldliness. They're trying to find answers for their problems of worldliness. And you as a believer carry those answers through the power of Jesus Christ. You are meant to be a city on a hill a lamp with the light on in a dark area. You are called to be a testimony. And part of that testimony includes so much. Do you know that God wants to heal your body? I was just down at West Virginia camp meeting a few months ago, end of April. And the the pastor there, he always encourages my faith. Well, Evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Senior always encourages my faith pulling people out from the crowd that have issues with deafness, hearing issues, eyesight issues, back issues, anything. And the Lord shows it to them. And then as he shows it to them, he prays and the person's faith is built. Because it's like, how could you know that what I'm going through? How could you see what I'm going through? And then their faith is built, they pray and the person gets healed. Why? It's the life of faith. If you think that suddenly God changed because a few thousand years went by, you're deceived. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. If he healed in the Old Testament, he healed in the New Testament, guess what? He's healing in the church age. Don't minimize what we don't understand or what your mental ascent struggles with. God wants to heal your body. God wants to deliver you. God, I've seen him do it. Somebody heading for destruction, and in one moment, everything changed, and they turned around the other way. I've seen people that literally had no way out of a situation that they were in. They tried everything they possibly could, and they turned to God, and in less than 24 hours, everything turned around. I've seen people with struggling businesses turn to the Lord and surrender it to the Lord. And that next day, people started calling for contracts. I've seen God do things over and over and over again. I've seen God heal people's feet. I've seen God heal people's bones. I've seen God open deaf ears. I've physically prayed for people with blindness in their eyes and I've seen them recover sight. I've seen God do far too much to ever negate his promises in the word. You know how every single person received from God? By faith. By faith. There's a scripture in the Bible where Paul is ministering in a church or in a temple. And literally, the Bible says there's a crippled man in the back. And Paul said he saw his faith. Faith can be seen. You can talk to somebody and know whether they have faith or they don't have faith. Are they just complaining about everything? Is everything hard? Is everything difficult? Or is God making a way? There's no in between. And Paul called them out and immediately this man got healed. Why? Because his faith was visible. His faith was visible. See, God wants to do something in your life. But the life that he's gonna do it through is the life of faith. And I can pump you up on a Sunday, get you excited for all the things that I've spoken about, but now here comes the stewardship of your faith. You gotta feed your faith. You gotta feed your faith. And you may say, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a leader. I'm just a regular person. That's what I love about God. You know the people that God said, that Jesus said had great faith? One was a woman that was not even a Jewish lady. And Jesus came in, his primary ministry was to the Jews first. And then he empowered to reach the Gentiles afterwards. And she came up to Jesus and asked if if he would heal her daughter. And Jesus said to her, healing is the children's bread. Meaning that the children are the Jews at that time, and healing was a portion of what belonged to them. And she turned to him. She wasn't offended because he was rude, she wasn't offended because he challenged her faith. She said, But even the dogs eat the scrap off of the table. Look, you don't need a whole 14-course meal from God. You need one crumb. You need one touch. You need one opportunity from heaven where God meets with you and everything changes. That woman was not a leader. She wasn't a pastor. She was just some random lady that was crazy enough to believe that God's word was true. Another one was a centurion man. You can start to play. Centurion man, a soldier, Roman soldier, not a Jew, but he was good to the Jewish people. And Jesus, he came to Jesus and said, look, my son is sick. Can you heal him? And Jesus said, absolutely, let's go. And he said, no, I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. Just say the word. Just speak the word. And I know that my child will be healed. Just speak the word. Jesus, the Bible says, was astonished by his faith. He was shocked. He said, I haven't seen this much faith in all of Israel. Haven't seen this much faith. Like that's his disciples. (laughs) That's the people he's been training for years at this point. I haven't seen this much faith. Why? Because it's not about a qualification. It's not about a title. It's about a heart position that's willing to do whatever God said he would do. And you know what? They're willing to look dumb. They're willing to step out of their comfort zones. I don't know why, but as I'm talking, and again, this isn't the sermon. We might be able to preach that another week. But, uh, (laughs) But as I'm communicating, I just feel, and even all the examples that are being brought to my heart, they all have to do with healing. And I, I believe that today God wants to heal bodies. That by faith, he will heal you. And that's not a wish and a prayer. That's not a hope. That's i I'm fully persuaded that God said, Jesus, in Isaiah 53, it was prophesied that by the stripes that he bore, by that, the lashes he took, by the blood that was shed, by his body being beaten and bruised, that we could be made whole. In 1 Peter 2.24, it says the same exact thing, but it shifts a term. It goes to past tense, that you were made whole. Why? Because the price that Jesus paid is a price for once and for all. He doesn't need to get crucified on a cross every time something needs to happen. His blood was shed once and for all. And before we pray for people, for healing, we're gonna give you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're in this room today and you're saying, look, I'm far from God. I know that my life is not right. I need, I need to make a change. The Bible said, if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died for you and that he rose again, you shall be saved. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. Does not matter if you're the worst bad person on the planet? If you wholeheartedly turn to God He will use you he will save you he will cleanse you the bible says that he'll take your sins which are many and you'll wash them white as wool God has a cleansing power and if you're in this room today and you're saying look I need Jesus I can't continue to do the same thing that I've been doing with every head bowed every eye closed if that's you I'm going to give you a chance to just accept Christ. You don't have to do it in the four walls of a church, but there's not going to be a chance where I preach like this and not give somebody a chance to respond by faith. So if that's you today and you're saying, look, I would like to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, or maybe you've fallen away from God, sin has crept in, maybe life circumstances happened, maybe you're like that third seed that was sown. You once served him, but the things around you choked you out and now you don't have that relationship any longer. If that's you today and you're saying, I need to walk away, I need to confess my sins before God, I need to walk away knowing that I have salvation in Christ. If that's you, I want you to just wave your hand at me and say, hey, today's my day for salvation. Hey, today's my day, everything's changing. If that's you, just wave at me. If that's you, here's your chance. It's harder from down low. When I'm up on the altar. I can see much better. Perfect. If everybody would uh, just stand with me. Ma'am, the entire time I've been preaching, yeah, green shirt, God's just been highlighting you over and over and over again. And, you know, I don't think you showed up here by accident Um But I'd like to pray for you. So if you can just come up here, I'm just going to pray for you, okay? Absolutely. Just lift your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this lady. God, I don't believe she was here by accident, I believe it was completely intentional. But Lord, I thank you even now that as you reveal, you heal. And so, The Lord even shows that there have been things that have happened. Like this was almost like a desperation thing. Like, God, I need you. I I need this. I need you to save me almost. And this is what's so cool about God. He hears our cries. He hears our voice. And you may say, why am I doing this publicly? Because your story and your testimony could change somebody else's life right here in this room. So I believe that this was a desperation that you showed up here. You said, God, I, I need something to happen. And he heard your cry and he doesn't reveal something unless he's going to get involved with it. And so what we're going to pray together by faith and even everybody else in this room today. That God is going to do something supernatural. So just lift your hands and as we... Father, Jesus. I break the yoke of bondage even now. Every single attack of the enemy. Every lie. Every discouragement. Even the attacks and her mental health trying to create anxiety and fear and depression. God, we take them off in the mighty name of Jesus and we release freedom by your spirit and we release it in Jesus. Mighty name. Never the same. Never the same. In Jesus, mighty name. It's done. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just celebrate him in this house? I want to pray for anybody that needs healing, but I I don't want you to actually come up front. Um, This is what I want to do. Wherever you are, whatever sickness, ailment you may have in your body, I believe Jesus heals from the common cold all the way up to the worst sickness and disease that exists on the planet. I've seen him. Heal pretty much everything in, in between. And I don't believe your story is isolated to just you. But I believe that God himself wants to intervene. And that by faith, he will supernaturally heal your body. He will supernaturally heal your body. And it's going to be a testimony. And here's your duty. Once he heals you, you've got to tell people about it. You gotta declare the goodness of the Lord, right? I've seen God do it enough to where if you'd be wild enough to believe Him, He'd be wild enough to heal you. There was this one time, and I'll end with this story, I just wanna build your faith. There was this one time, I was the young adult's pastor. And there was a lady, and she came up, and we were praying for healing. And she told me that she had, like, numbness in her feet. Almost like like your foot is asleep permanently. She said she had no feeling. It was just like she could put a sock on, and it has that, like, feeling when when your foot is completely asleep. And it's permanent. And I said, do you know that God wants to heal you? And she said, yes, i believe it. And so I laid hands on her and prayed for her. And people do funny things when they get healed because it's raw emotion, right? And she started saying something strange. She was like, I can feel my socks. I can feel my socks. And I'm like, man, that's good. I can feel my socks too. I don't want to feel your socks. But then she told me, she said, look, I haven't been able to feel my socks for years because of this condition with my foot. And now I can feel them, and she starts putting pressure on her foot and she starts walking on her foot, and suddenly this miracle takes place. And this woman that was struggling with disease for years is suddenly walking in freedom. If he'll do it for her, he'll do it for you. And so, this is my prayer that as I pray, Jesus himself will reach his hand down. And touch you where you need healing and so what I'll ask is if you have ailments in your body when I pray just put your hand wherever it represents if it's something in your mind if it's in your back your knees whatever it may be just put your hand wherever it would symbolize or represent and by faith we're gonna receive it by faith we're gonna believe that God would do it because He's not a different God that we serve. He's the same God that split the waters with Elijah. He's the same God that killed the giant with uh, David. He's the same God that defeated an army with Gideon. He's the same God that healed the woman with the issue of blood for 10 years, 12 years. He's the same God and he'll do it for you too. And so let's pray by faith. I even feel now there's somebody in the room, your lower back. Maybe two or three discs up. God wants to heal that. Somebody else in your shoulder. and your shoulder blade. He wants to heal that. There's somebody else you're in here and you've got a diagnosis of diabetes. And he wants to heal that. There's somebody else in your heart. There's blockages and problems that you're seeing the doctors currently about. I believe he'll heal that. There's bones that need to be healed. I believe he'll do that too. So let's begin to pray. Let's begin to create an environment of faith. And as we do, watch him heal you. And as the pain goes, you'll feel it. It'll almost be like a warmth, like a fire. Like a fire, like a a resting presence of heaven. And he'll heal you. So let's just begin to pray. Jesus, we just, we glorify your name. We just declare by faith, God, that you are able, you are willing. We just magnify your holy name in Jesus' name. Just stir yourselves up. Just begin to talk to God about how good he is. I'm going to pray in my heavenly prayer language to build my faith. And if you want to do that individually, you can as well. We thank you, Jesus. What are we doing? We're stirring up faith in the room. We're stirring up faith and expectation in the room. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We magnify your holy name. We thank you for your healing power. Here we go place your hand wherever the sickness, the ailment is. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, by faith we release the healing virtue of heaven even now. I command every symptom to go. I speak to the very root cause. We take authority over every sickness, every disease every symptom I even speak to pains right now pain you must go in Jesus mighty name leave there you go suddenly you're going to start to feel that pain dwindle and as you do just begin to celebrate God just celebrate him thank you Jesus thank you Jesus You're worthy father your holy God thank you Jesus You must leave. We take authority even now over every single attack of the enemy. In the mighty name of Jesus, we declare that every person that stood in faith, God, that they're healed, they're whole, and that, God, there's testimonies that will be celebrated There's opportunities that are being created to share about the goodness of God. We thank you, Jesus. Can we just celebrate Jesus in this house today? Hallelujah. Thanks so much for joining us on the Truth Be Told podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode you just listened to. Remember, we have new content coming out every single week. If you know of someone who could benefit from this podcast, we would love for you to share it on your social media as well as going ahead and leaving us a review. But for now, we can't wait to catch you next week.